The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Uh, That was perfect. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the winemakers. I'm John Myers, and I'm here, as always, with Bart Hansen and his fabulous wines. I'm drinking a Chenin Blanc right now. Sam Katuri, plan on drinking some of yours later. Yeah, I think you opened some things, and I brought something uh, from the tasting house. Yeah, I did. And Brian Casey. So how you doing, Brian? Everybody in a good mood today? Brian's video. Perfect. He's in. Brian's, video Brian's gone for... transcending. He's going straight to video casting. <laughs> well, skipping that's, podcasting. That's okay. And Molly is and right, Molly's in the right, way. right in front. <laughs> oh, and uh, we have a, a very special guest, Cody Rasmussen from uh, Bedrock. And uh, I please... Get right and in Emily, the and Emily Rasmussen, and Emily. And Emily from Desire Lines. Thank you, John. We're happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, very good, man. Yeah, you want to make sure you really get into that. Yes, I'll dive in. Try okay. Try and uh, now let <laughs> we, me just we have this we back have here. Iowans who are more microphone timid than you are, Mike, uh, John. <laughs> there's there's a. Uh, we have there's actually this even number of Iowan born and Californian born in the room yeah, for that's a rarity. the first time ever at the pod <laughs> at the podcast. You know that's kind of cool. Actually, we can have yeah. an arm wrestling. gonna win. Why would we do that? Iowa's not a bad place to hey. be from. I think you. I think you learn good values. Yeah, you know, sure. you're brought Absolutely. up. To, you know, we were just talking about you don't swear on Iowa, no, swear on Iowa. until 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 the corn pigs get in your way and you're and you're pissed off about all of the soybeans and the, <laughs> all of the Roundup and on and on and on. Truly a farming so, uh, community. Oh, obviously. it is an industri- It is one single industrial farm anymore. Well, it's just and crazy. In, and in the same way that we started last week's episode with Bibiana asking, like, how does somebody from Colombia uh, yeah. become a winemaker in California? And where do you, like, uh, get the desire? And there's not a wine culture where you grow up. Um, so I think maybe I want to start with that question for both of you guys. Um, yeah, how, do you, how do you get how, – how'd you get here? And, and why – more – I mean, you, know, you probably drove on I-80. Why did you get here? <laughs> uh, it's a good question. And honestly, I think it was a surprise to a lot of our family and friends because Em and I didn't drink – I think probably a drop until, well, outside of communion, I'll say that. Uh, I didn't drink until sophomore year in college. (laughs) Uh, And I was in South Africa, and we were studying for a month on J-term in Cape Town, which is not far from Stellenbosch, the wine region there. What were you studying? Uh, Economics. They have um, an organization they call the Economic Policy Research Institute. And it's sort of to train all their newly minted senators, people who are new to government, whatever it is, on basic economic concepts. Um, so you got the tour, their state house there, a couple other cool things, <laughs> and then did a safari, a couple beach days, a couple days in wine country. Um, and at the time, I hadn't drunk, and we went to this really, really cool tasting room. It's funny, this was in my cover letter, the very first time I applied for a job in 2011. And everybody else was tasting, and as I was looking around the tasting room, they had little um, jars, like big, tall ones, probably five feet, with all the soil types and the soil profiles, and they were different across... The vineyard, and I thought that was very cool. There was something about that that I thought was very interesting. 
Um, yeah, I love look, <laughs> I love looking at the different soils. I love it. I it's still do. Amazing. I don't think it's you, that cheesy. Well, it makes a difference. I mean, Sam, you've got all I have, all, all of yours. Uh, you know, uh, the ones I have are actually uh, almost every vineyard in the Moon Mountain District, wow. and and so you know we farm a few of them, but not all of them, and and it's amazing. You know, this is a an area that's it's fifteen thousand acres total of landmass from. From you know Goonlock Bunchu's back door to Kenwood, the Nuns Canyon Vineyard we were talking about before we started, yep. uh, and every single one of those soil samples is looks different. I mean, there's similarities. There's different, like you know, the red soil from one place, like Monterosa's. You know, there's red soil, but it's a different color. Uh, there's different, you know, rock sizes and forms. You know, and all of those things, all those things matter. Yeah, yeah. No, it's That's fascinating. What, I think the first tasting I was at that uh, somebody showed that and said, this is the terroir, this is where this wine was grown, was at Sojourn. Mm. And uh, they have them, you know, on the table and they talk about it. You know, it's fairly limited. I think they, you know, stick to three different soil types. Yeah, right? clay, None clay, and more clay. <laughs> <laughs> well, they had a lot, of, a lot of rocks too, so. <laughs> Not like Cayman, okay? Nothing, right. nothing yeah. is oh, like man. that yeah. mountain that you guys farm. Cayman says farming rocks. not a lot of dirt. No. A lot of rocks. No, not every at all. year. It's our most. It's actually our most profitable crop, is the rocks yeah, that yeah. we turn out <laughs> every. <laughs> way the way a lot you more know, than the grapes Brian, ever do. Brian, this is your type of wine, isn't it? Like salivating. This oh the riesling. Yeah, we're jumping right past Cody and getting right into this wine. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't even stuff. tried. It. I'm still oh, drinking your Chenin Blanc, Bart. Oh, you got to yeah, try this. Good too. Bart, yeah. Bart has been gone for a couple weeks. I haven't had. I, I'm out of his Chenin Blanc at the house, and so this is the first time I've had it in a while. So um, let me let me well, just savor yeah. my. I didn't want to dump this out. It's let me fine. savor my last few sips. I'm okay, work so on that let's go thing. back to South Africa. So <laughs> you were in South Africa at a tasting. Well, can I read? Can I read something off their website, which I which I think is really cool. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just the beginning of their. Um, you know, if you go to their website and, and look at the about section, it says, and my, here we go. Writing your own bio in the third person feels pretty awkward. Plus, I'd like for us to be friends. So let me start by saying hi. Desire Lines Wine Company is the wine brand created mostly by my husband, Cody, and partly by me too. I think that's, that's me. awesome. That's Emily. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank no, I you. love the way Thank that you. you kind of stop it and say, but I'd like to be friends. I think that's a cool little way to yeah. uh, introduce people to the, um, to the wines and to your personality. So I'm sorry, we can get back to uh, South That's Africa. Great. Yeah, I think so. We're, we're in South Africa. Yeah, Cody's tasting wine for the first time in his entire life. It's yep. a Pinotage, and he's yeah. distracted. <laughs> it's a Pinotage. I wonder if it and was he starts looking at the mountain. dirt. <laughs> Scene set. Well, honestly, I don't remember that I even tasted in the tasting room. I may have because I brought two bottles of their sweet port back. They had a ten year old port. We drank one. It must have been 150 or something like that. It was wildly sweet. I think we had one. The summer we got engaged, and I still have a bottle, actually, that survived the fire. And we brought it down to the winery, and I still got it. Uh, but that night, anyways, getting back to it, they were having pizza and sweet rosé. And in my memory, the wine is literally green, like a green apple Jolly Rancher. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, but at that point, we are in the hot tub looking up at Table Mountain, eating pizza, drinking wine. I was like, oh, this seems like an okay place to have a glass, and did. I'm sure it was sweet and maybe not what I drink currently, <laughs> but it was enough. Um, and we came back and it kind of stuck with me. 
And then actually my So you guys were both on this trip? No, 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 it was just me. M stayed in home for a couple. To clarify, this is one of the many international trips that Cody went on without me. So I just want that to be on the record. (laughs) On the record. Gone the throne. I have a feeling it's not gonna happen again. Yeah. 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 I I see I see Paris in November. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Is it wrong, Sam? No, I, I, no, it's I mean, well. I, it is I, wrong I, that you I know want, he keeps leaving the country and at this point leaving Emily in Iowa. You're, you're right. Yeah. Sorry, take her. Sorry, to Iowa January Iowa is a little friends. cold too. Well, didn't he say something about drinking in a hot tub? Drinking in yeah. a hot tub yeah. in yeah. Iowa yeah. and and. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, maybe not. Uh, is this right our along. first husband and wife um, <laughs> duo interview? Yeah. Shit. Wow, shit Love might get it. real. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a lot cheaper than therapy. Yeah, true that. Uh, so, and I was home that summer, and I don't think we had any wine that time. No. Well, Cody got home. So backing up a little bit, we started dating when we were 16, and then Cody went to college in Massachusetts, and I went to school in our hometown at a really tiny college in Orange City, Iowa. So he was off on Do you want to let's get some shout outs to the colleges? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Northwestern, but not the Chicago one. Okay. Northwestern College in Orange City, Iowa. And Cody went to Williams College okay. in Massachusetts. So he was traveling and exploring and adventuring. And I was so content to stay in our hometown. I had never really left ever. And I was super happy with that. Um, what was my point? oh so okay so cody so we were basically just together um during the summers and at christmas and visited each other like maybe once during the semester so cody got home from this south africa trip and spring semester and was like so i so i had some wine and i was like (gasps) what because like he said yeah "Yeah, hello we're 20 20 years old. Well, and here's a good story, too. This came up later because one of the first people we hired at Bedrock as an intern is now a really good friend, and he coincidentally was from a town, oh, Sioux he, City. He's talking Chris about Rush. Chris Rush, yeah, who is working exactly. for Enterprise this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I got his email, his intro, I guess his cover letter resume. Uh, during bottling, if I remember right, we were really busy. It was a great cover letter, cool, really cool resume, thought really deeply about our vineyards. And I emailed back. I was like, hey, like I'd love to talk at some point. Like It sounds like it'd be a really fun fit. And he emailed Black, and I went dark for, I think, two weeks, didn't reply, nothing. And this is what it was. When he replied, he found out that I was from Orange City, which is not far. Uh, I mean, our schools are like, he was at school earlier than I was, but they're rivals He's from in Su- some way. Sioux City? Sioux City, that- yeah, okay. exactly, which is like the closest McDonald's to Orange City still. It was where you <laughs> went for like, Whoa. yeah, 45 minutes, but wow. there's the town That's to go to. That's actually a very cool part of Iowa. It's great. Um, yeah. You know... The lakes up uh, there. I mean, so I mean, what part of what part north, of the state are we? Northwestern, northwest, oh, as northwestern. far northwestern right. as you can yeah, get, okay. without being in Minnesota. <laughs> yep. And the the lakes are fifty or sixty feet deep, and you can see to the bottom <laughs> still. Yeah. yeah. And you know, you go out and you catch fish, and you have lodges and places around. You know, like Lake Okoboji and yeah, Spirit Lake. And, yep. You know, my grandparents were from Spencer. Which, oh, cool. which yeah. now has the, I think the still the reputation of being the the meth capital of Northwest Iowa, yeah, which is true. not a good thing. But yeah. uh, nonetheless, <laughs> back to uh, they're no. not drinking. They're not drinking Riesling in uh, that part of Iowa. Not as much. No. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> yeah. So he found out I was from Orange City and made a joke about 
something about like, suckling, so how does your family feel about suckling on the teat of Satan? That's exactly what it was. <laughs> he said, Chris. "Does your family? <laughs> I'm sure your I'm sure your fellow Midwesterners think you went out west to suckle on the teat of Satan." And I wow. thought it was hilarious, but didn't reply because we were bottling. And I think two weeks later, he emailed back and was like, "I feel so bad. I think I offended you." <laughs> I was like, "It's fine. Like, it's funny because our town is famously conservative." There's actually recently a New Yorker article about it, full length, because uh, it's essentially about, o- about Orange, Orange City, which Orange is City. only 5,000 people, but it's one of the 10 reddest zip codes in the 10,000 words about 5,000 people yeah, in the Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a really cool town. It's a great place to grow up. Uh, but no, I mean, there's, there's it's changing now. Uh, we have a lot of people there that enjoy the wines and share them. Uh, but it was something that we were exposed to growing up there. There's a bedrock fan base in in yeah, Orange there is City. A little bit. Now there is. And a Desire Lines we're fan base. The word. Um, so yeah, Cody got home and told me about his newfound interest, and we tasted this like crazy sweet port wine. Yeah, that's right. And you're like, what the? F-? I was yeah. I I didn't really know what to think, but I was kind of like, okay, I'm down. Like whatever you want to do. And then that fall, he went to. Uh, did a semester studying abroad in Rome, and um, and that was when I think the next phase of like the wine discovery and knowledge took off. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That got me into it. Um, and part of the thing was we were living in a convent on the Aventine Hill, which is pretty central in Rome, a really cool place to live. And they only provided, I think, the they cooked us lunch three times a week and dinner twice a week, which is really cool to be served by nuns. Um, <laughs> But then outside of that... The nuns in Rome probably have good wine. Good wine, good food. They could cook, too. Yeah, They're good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I want to go there. That's no, great. Probably not going to get in. Okay. Uh, but outside of that, we had to find our food elsewhere. And we got in the habit of going down to local deli for lunch, where famously, the guy wouldn't put more than three things on your sandwich. Uh, a couple of people walked in and thought it was Subway. And like, I'll have that and that and that, and I want two of those and like a half layer of that. And the guy threw up his hands and was like, no, no, you get three things and that's it or you go elsewhere. <laughs> uh, <yeah>. Amazing. <laughs> um, but at that Use point... really we... high quality ingredients and not a lot of them. Yeah, right. exactly. Cheese, meat, and maybe a fruit spread or something. Right. Yep. Yeah. I'm hungry now. Yeah. That was we amazing. <laughs> Some salami and I want that sandwich. It's going to make me sick, but I'll eat it anyway. Yeah. Right. Um, so we spent a lot of dinners sort of walking out and about in the city and figured out pretty quickly that you had to pay for water anyways and the house wine wasn't that much more expensive, if at all. Um, <laughs> and started having wine with dinner, which was a really big change. And it felt just so right and so integral to that culture there and the way they yeah. experienced dinner and time together over the table. Uh, and started to get really into it. And honestly, I don't remember that I had a lot of wines that blew me away at the time. We did a couple nice dinners, and I know we had probably Brunello, Chianti. I don't think we did anything else, and nothing that I continue to drink really regularly. But it was enough the way they just interacted with wine that it got me really interested in it. And coming back, I basically did the same thing. I traded in all my meal plan money for <laughs> cash for mac and cheese, ramen, pizza, cooked for myself, and got like cases of wine and, and all the books I could budget. find. Yeah, and a wine budget. And started following the Terroirist blog really closely, uh, Wine Atlas, Oxford Encyclopedia, and just really got into it. And would have friends over and open a couple bottles, enough that we could taste through two or three and talk about them. Uh, and actually, now I think about it, the guy, the friend of ours that designed our labels, was doing a sketchbook at the time, and he has a sketchbook Is of... your label Tim Gatto, or no? No, it's actually a friend from okay. college. Oh, okay. So he All spent right. time in Rome uh, serving there as well with a convent. Um, but he has a sketch of our fridge, which has a map of Australia I'd drawn, because I was really into Aussie Shiraz at the time. <laughs> 
three wine glasses. You've really come a long, you've really <laughs> yeah. come a long way, Cody. And a case of gnarly head on top. And a, case, and, and a yeah. case of gnarly head. You've really come a long yeah, way. Yeah, it's changed quite a bit. <laughs> I mean, although, you know, you still make a bunch of Zinfandel. Yep. And uh, I, we're going to try the Syrah next. Yeah, so right. Maybe, maybe you didn't, you haven't come that far. Yeah. <laughs> a little still Jamba the, juice. Yep. <laughs> Uh, and that was kind of it, and started to think really hard about it. And this whole time, you're stu- you're like a trying to be an oh, economist, yeah. or what are you studying? Yep, exactly. So I majored in political science and economics, um, and the goal was kind of to do management consulting, which was a good fit. And yeah, I, you would have been really good at that, it, but it wouldn't have been any fun. The travel schedule would have been fun, but as we started to think more and more carefully about being together, and we wanted to live, it's a hard life. Um, and actually, it came to a head when I saw I had a couple of second round interviews. They weren't going great because they would always ask, like, why do you want to work for us? And I was like, oh, I mean, you pay a lot of money. (laughs) Travel's great. And couldn't get beyond that. Uh, And I saw the Sonoma County Economic Development Board posted an internship to come into the county and help them think about economic initiatives. How cool. It was amazing. Now, I didn't, see, there's Do we, do we actually, still have that? We could probably use that right now. Yeah. Well, you know, Sister City swaps interns with uh, Tokai. But that's actually using our tax money, you know, put heads in beds, et cetera, brought you out here, got you a job. Yep. Well, I didn't actually take the cool. job, but it totally got me thinking about it. And the funny part was I knew the area so well from the wine atlas that I immediately called him. I was like, oh, we could live in Santa Rosa. That's really central. If we find something in Healdsburg or farther out to the coast or whatever. And at that point, I think it was maybe Em's dad that said, like, maybe you should just think about doing that for a little bit. Like, you're young. You're obviously interested in it. Are you still no, in college? You yeah. just graduated right at this point? No, this was February of senior year, I think, yeah, right? So, so we, you're about we, to graduate. Yeah, yeah and we yeah, got exactly. engaged uh, right before senior year. So we. And you're still in, bought in yeah, Massachusetts? Yeah, still in long Iowa. distance. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we planned our wedding via, like, Google Docs, <laughs> yeah. Google Spreadsheets. This was, like, pre-Skype or Skype? Just Pretty much, yeah. Was, yeah. Like, Skype was very new. No FaceTime. We didn't have iPhones. Um, so, yeah. So we were engaged, planning our future and... And moving to California. Moving to California. Yeah. So and then had you we ever been to decided. California? I had been to L.A. and hated it. That's right. Um, <laughs> well, I, I, Los Angeles. Hated it. I think there are an awful lot of people yeah, in the um, And Fog beat smug. I had right. never been yeah. north of any north of L.A. And um, one of the ways there. Cody convinced me to move to California was he said, well, if, when we if we moved to Sonoma, like the way we'd get into San Francisco would be the Golden Gate Bridge. And I thought that was so cool. So I was like, okay, we'll, let, we'll figure it out. Yeah, Full House brought us out here. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, just got the Full House so- theme song stuck in my head, and I'm not going to torture anybody who are trying no, to sing please it. Don't. <laughs> please don't. So, the, so how did... How, Financially, how are you planning on making this move? I mean, I would think that California, the cost of living is probably a little bit higher. Than, well, and what uh, year is this? Uh, this is 2011. 2011. Yeah, okay. exactly. Uh, I had a job, so I basically applied at, I sent out cold call emails with cover letter resume to every single winery in Dry Creek, Russian River, Alexander that I could find addresses for. It was like 500 emails, and I think I, the really cool thing is I still have replies from a couple people like Leo Hansen up at Leo Steen, yeah. who was at um, Stallmule, I think at the time. Yeah. Replied was super sweet um, and got a job that way. So when we moved out, I did have an offer, but M had no idea what she was going to do. <laughs> what did you Letter What did you study, Emily? I was a literature major with a Spanish minor, 
and liberal arts in the wine business English <laughs> and that, I got here. yeah so I was like well I'll figure it out like we're, my backup plan was going to be to go to the Santa Rosa Barnes and Noble and convince them to hire me to end because I was a like big, that was a big bookstore in those days yeah. it's still open it was it was a huge bookstore yeah. and your, I always your thought Spanish it was the, should, the first should really help out here yeah, quite frankly good. Mm-hmm. yeah I mean I'm I'm ashamed that I don't speak I, I can't really converse with you know the latino community it's really i speak winery spanish yeah well yeah it took me actually a lot to learn vineyard spanish like it like, like i still don't really from actually, classical like yeah academic spanish like i can to, be like mi casa es blanco but then like to actually have a conversation with people about like what throw in some slang yeah exactly exactly and then it's a dialect right, right. right. yep but tell the story cody about your for how you got oh Bellotto was really cool um i only got probably 10 or 15 replies it was like a two or three percent response rate which and, and what time of year this was like february yeah, it was probably march or april by the uh, time every, i was sending them out he was on vacation yeah exactly yeah yep. yeah not truly looking for people yet no i think it was too early yeah um and one of the people to reply back was anthony beckman at Boletto. Yeah. um and the most amazing time there but he basically said that he had had such a hard time getting a job in the wine industry because he switched a little later i think he came from tech and he was closer to 30 because he went to Davis too, uh, that he felt because he'd had such a hard time, he should return the favor by paying it forward every year. So he always tried to hire somebody without experience. And so you were cause you were applying for a job in a winery. Just as a harvest intern. Just harvest intern yep. and had studied political science. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the funny part was he asked about my work experience. And over summer, because I'd always gone back to Orange City to see him, I had worked traffic construction uh, and in a paint factory. And his ears perked up at Paint Factory. He's like, factory, oh, like, yeah, tell yeah. me about that. <laughs> yeah. And it's literally you dump sacks into big old thousand-gallon mixing, I don't know, vessels. They look like huge versions of the Dairy Queen, like, Blizzard mixer. Right. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, all right, I think it's going to work. That's great. Paint Factory. Yep. You can work in a <laughs> shitty indoor work environment and work weird hours. And you don't need to see the sun. Yep. And you're hired. <laughs> <laughs> that was I mean, that was my same experience when I interviewed with Mike tank. Lee. Yeah, really. Was um, you know, do you know anything you about making wine? Paint, you came, I, and I came from the paint industry myself. <laughs> really, I did not know. Uh, that. My father was a painting contractor, wow. but they said, um, "Do you know how to drive a truck?" And I said, "Yes." And he says, "Do you know how to back it up with a trailer?" And I said, "Of course." <laughs> and um, and then you know, do you mind working lot out long hours and working hard? Sure, and you know that was enough. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah. I think that's actually. I mean, if there's ever like a moment of lesson in the winemaker's spot, this might be the first one ever. Uh, if what it takes to get into the wine business is um, that kind of experience, more than you could study forever and have a th- you know at a university and be less prepared than that kind of backup. Well, you have to want to work hard, right, yep. Cody? I, no, mean, I think that's very you, true. You, it's something you, we look for. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, it is. It's is. You have to be willing to get dirty and work hard for long periods of time and and realize then that you love the process of making wine. Yep. Yeah, exactly, and to take joy in that. And then the really good ones are able to move past that and sort of understand what they're doing at the time, even though they're tired, and think about the sensory impact of the pump over and the dig out, and that's when it really starts to get cool. Well, my question is, are you enjoying yourself now? Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Good. Because that's uh, the important thing. I mean, it, it, 
I, I mean, they're bona fide Sonomans now. They uh, survived uh, ha- with living in a house at the top of Trinity Road, and yeah, it's still right. there. And that you know, anybody. My feeling is anybody who was on the mountain when the fire started, if they're officially baptized <laughs> by fire. Sworn in. Yeah. That's right. They're, uh, they're natives. Yeah. It's and, like and up on Cavedale, man. You, know? that, yeah. Yeah. you live there? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So I'm glad you're enjoying it. That's, that's it. the best part about it. So That's funny. We flew back in three or four years ago, and we flew into SF and came into the fog, and I went, oh, it's so good to be home. And then realized what I said. I was like, wait a second. You just left Iowa. This is home now. Didn't know yeah. that. Like, this is news to me. Huh. Uh, but yeah. So from Boletto... Right. Where did you go? Uh, at that point, Emily steps in, actually, because she got me my next job. <laughs> You're welcome, honey. <laughs> um, so I... I really like this husband wife. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you think? That's so, fun. It's and exciting. my first job, um, I I was just kind of flailing, trying to find a job um, Barnes and that Nobles. whole summer. Barnes and Noble said no. Well, uh, that was going to be the backup plan. Okay. So this was the summer I'm like wanted, wanted to be prepared and have it all locked in before we got in the car to drive. Oh, because you weren't starting until... August, August or yeah. Like so this was so we got married in June and then had this interim period where we were like house sitting for people and stuff like that. So um, I was applying. I was searching on all the different job sites for things like I think the key search terms for me were, were like something like intern or coordinator, like entry level, um, and then like something to do with like editing, editorial, something like that. Words, your literature. Yeah, yeah. help, like help. some English majory thing. Um, and then I found a job for an online wine sales company called Invino that needed a literal <laughs> editorial intern. Wow. I was like, I don't know what Perfect, that is, but, but I'm here for it. <laughs> so I applied um, and ended up working there for a year and a half, doing everything from data entry to writing sales copy and then doing all the email marketing. And we would send out three emails a day to... 50 to 100,000 people. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the, one I have some the, horror stories. The most nerve-wracking disasters you ever do is hit that send button. I still have <laughs> it, it every matter. time. It doesn't matter if it's... Uh, I mean, I remember that from being a PR coordinator in my first yeah. job. And you hit send and there's... there's you know, even if it's like 50 people on that BCC yep. and you're like, oh my God. It oh, makes yeah. my heart rate. 100,000, I couldn't even. I couldn't. It makes my heart rate elevate to this day because we are doing it so often. I couldn't. Three times a day. Yeah. Two, always two, sometimes a third email. And it, and it worked. I mean, it like clearly had the, like achieved the goal we wanted, but there was like sold, my greatest fear. I had nightmares about typos, broken links. Oh, typos. See, all the, the problem is you can't find your own typos. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you read it backwards, that kind of thing. I mean, there are all kinds of tricks, yeah. but you know, I was very good at editing copy, doing an ad agency in Chicago and they'd pass everything by me. I'd find stuff I'd add. Um, most of the time you just let, you know, as long as it's not incorrect, you just, you know, let, people do what they want and i still but love like, i find typos in my stuff now i freak out oh, no. lose my <laughs> oh, mind yeah. you know? well and i still whenever i get like an accidental email from a company especially if it's like amazon where they accidentally sent an email to like millions of people about their um like baby shower wish list or whatever and it like was a total accident and then they sent the apology email a few minutes later it- 
what happens to you? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sam, you're going to get one This of is those. one example. <laughs> one example. Whenever, but whenever, or like if Netflix sends an email and the link doesn't work, like whenever anybody else makes a mistake, it's like one of my greatest joys in life because I know it shows that behind every email marketing campaign is a human. Mm. And sometimes that human messes something up and yeah, sometimes the nobody's system breaks. Perfect, man, yeah, nobody's perfect, you know? So. I just love it. It's amazing. So to answer your question, um, then after Harvest, um, we needed extra help in the warehouse um, at Invino. And so Cody came and worked with me. And after dating long distance for all four years Wait of minute, college. Wait a minute, what goes on in the warehouse? Packing wine shipments. Pa- oh, packing wine shipments. Yeah. So you're just packing. Three, yeah. Three and packs, a lot of packs, other stuff. <laughs> but yes, order fulfillment and shipping. Mm-hmm. So um, after dating long distance through all of college, then we were working together and spending literally 24 seven together for nine months. For the first, and in your first year of marriage. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Great idea. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the best parts of it was actually we um, got our first golden retriever a few months uh, later and he came to work. Move. He came yeah. to work with us. So we had puppy Kinley, our little baby golden retriever who looked like a fluffy cloud and um and like as a little family went to work together and yeah we i think that was kind of our first taste of like just what it looked like to like work together because now obviously we do that all the time for desire lines Mm -hmm. so let's actually can we talk about the desire lines because i'm almost done with my glass of riesling (laughs) yeah Yeah, nice website by the way who did the photography Uh, emily i think great shot of you just oh thank you i did yeah yeah and yeah your and, shots are beautiful. And if you could... John loves over, a good website. Yeah, he does. He really does. If you could <laughs> talk about the title Desire Lines, because I um, had looked at the website and somehow missed the explanation of it mm-hmm. until a couple weeks ago when I went back and looked at it again. And I love it. Um, but I'd like to hear it from, from you guys. I'll tackle it. As opposed to reading it. I'll tackle the question and then Cody can fact check me. Right. But... Um, Hashtag marriage. (laughs) (laughs) So a desire line is a hiking term. And it's like when you're hiking on a trail and let's say you're on a switchback. So you're going back and forth and back and forth up a mountain so that the grade isn't as steep or down. And you see a more direct path that somebody tread on their own accord that cuts through. Um, That's called a desire line. So it could be like cutting through... um, Cutting like a shortcut on a college campus, or it could be a shortcut anywhere through the Sonoma Plaza. But the idea is that it's um, a path that the person treads on their own. That might be different from what, um, like what was pre like set up. It's a term you see sometimes in tech now too. Like uh, it's this whole idea of user experience over design. So hashtags actually for Twitter were not originally coded in when they built Twitter. And you can go back and see somebody like, hey, we should use like hashtags to sort of, you know, divide up topics that we're talking about. And that's also... There's a great podcast about that. Yeah, 99% really. Invisible. Yeah. Uh, yep. It's called that... They also... The hashtag sign, the pound sign, is also called the Octothorpe. Because oh, yeah. it has eight little... Oh, uh, yeah. So go find that 99% Invisible on the Octothorpe and all about the pound sign and the hashtag. Anyway, sorry. Uh, so that was it. It seemed appropriate. I love to hike, do a lot of trail running. And in the way we came out from Iowa and sort of chose our own path, not that no one else has ever done that because tons of people have, but it was right. a different path for us and something we felt really strongly about. It worked. Yeah. And something else with that too is like, um, 
obviously one of Cody's main mentors is Morgan Twain Peterson, um, his boss, and who has taught you so much. Yeah, first backpacking trip. Um, yeah, exactly. And hmm. so... Where'd you go? Uh, we did the North Lake, South Lake loop through Evolution Basin right. off oh. the east side of the Sierra. Mm-hmm. It's amazing out there. And I think, too, just like the idea of launching our own brand, obviously there's going to be crossover in vineyards. Um, and, you know, our winemaking style does, you know, we're kind of treading our own path in winemaking while also being so shaped by the things you've learned mm-hmm. from, really from Morgan, point. too. Yeah, totally. You know, we want to actually talk about that a little bit because how are you, you know, how do you uh, address that with the Bedrock Wines and and the desire line wines what are you doing differently yeah. you know what are you what did you you know what are you doing similarly you know, I don't, you right. know and yeah, how yeah. you kind of like do that in your brain in the winery doing the two the two different sort of formulas or you know yep no for yeah. sure it's a really good question i imagine the similarities there's probably more of but they seem less obvious to me because they're the same right. um, and i really like the bedrock wines and have learned a ton from morgan and there's a lot that we do similarly. We think about extraction very much the same, um, oak when possible, and all sorts of stuff, nutrients, sulfur. Um, conveniently, though, we like slightly different wines. Like, we always joke that Morgan is very much driven by the way the wine smells. He loves a wine that's really perfumed. And ironically, I'm the exact opposite. Like, I spend less time smelling the wine and almost go immediately to what the wine feels like on my palate. I'm very much driven by texture. That's um, yeah, it's funny. It makes for a nice blend whenever we blend or taste wines together because we see it two different ways he's right. a late gen xer and you're an early millennial or something <laughs> yeah, is that what's going yeah, yeah. yeah. like that's just a little bit of a generational gap in the middle there or something yep mm. so a lot of our wines we think about primarily texturally but aside from that we just like slightly different wines which is kind of convenient because we made the exact same wines we wouldn't add anything to the conversation so uh, well, and let, actually i want to talk about what are the go more into the yeah, two different yeah, ones yeah. because if you've ever had a chance to sneak your way into a, a Morgan throne party, whether it's their harvest party or Bastille <laughs> Day, Fourth of July, whatever it is, it's like one of the most impressive wine lineups just because of the the variety. Um, there's just tons of always kinds of crazy things. So, you know, if you're at one of those parties, what is Morgan trying to pour into my glass more than what you would be trying to pour into my glass? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, hopefully I don't step on Morgan's toes No, here. step on his toes. <laughs> yeah. It's all good. Yeah. Uh, He's making you work on August 3rd. I'm going to Tahoe. Step on his toes. <laughs> <laughs> Syrah's an easy one because we both, I, I didn't know this for a really long time, but when Morgan started Bedrock, he actually for the first couple of years made more Syrah. He wanted than, to be the Syrah. Yeah, yeah. which blew my mind because when we started, that was my big thing is I really liked Syrah and I thought it was particularly compelling in... California. I thought it might be a good fit. There's been a lot of people I deeply respect who have done it. Pax, Duncan. Uh, there's a lot of good Syrah out there. Mm-hmm. What's that? Did I miss one? You just said Duncan. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Arnott. Duncan Arnott Roberts, of course. Name drop. <laughs> Let me pick that up real quick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, First name but so thinking about Syrah, I think I probably tend to gravitate more towards Cote Roti. And it's not that we both don't adore Jamais. Like the 99 is one of the best wines. I've ever had, courtesy of Morgan and Chris. Um, but they, for instance, have sort of opened my eyes to Chave, because I don't as naturally drink Hermitage. It's a little bit riper. Um, there's more tannin. There's more extract. There's more alcohol in general. And that's Funkier, something... Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Uh, whereas I would be more the Saint-Joseph. Like, I think Fari from Kermit Lynch, which is from Chavonnet. It's that far northern side of Saint-Joseph. Mm-hmm. Really interesting expression of Syrah that you don't otherwise see in Saint-Joseph, because it's 
20 miles north of the rest of the villages. Um, have you, have, is that a, is this a place that you visited with that? Yeah. yeah. No, we went together actually. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I, there. I, forgot. Uh, I think she was sleeping in the car at that point. <laughs> So another Your Syrah has a hell of a nose on it for somebody who doesn't care about the Thank bouquet you. of yeah. the wine. I'll tell you that. The Griffins so. is an amazing site. So that's actually the first thing we started working with was Griffins Lair, and that's courtesy of Duncan and Nathan and our not Roberts and Morgan. Uh, Morgan, Luke, and I were coming back from Zap in, see, would have been February 2015 in Alameda, and we got a call from Duncan being like, hey, unfortunately we have to drop a rose of Griffins because they're going to pick up K-Syrah. And they grabbed the lease on that and basically asked it if, excuse me, if Morgan wanted the rose. And Morgan was like, yeah, definitely, we'll take him. And then turned to Luke and I and was like, hey, do you guys want a row of Griffins? And we were both like, yes, definitely. Like, love the wine that Bedrock makes for him. I love the stuff that Pax and Dunford well, always done. Say a little bit where the vineyard is. Yep, yeah, yeah. so Griffins Lair is, if you were driven 37 past Sears Point, as you come down, if you're moving west towards 101, there's a little three-way stoplight there. That's actually old Lakeville, and it used to be the way the stagecoaches would come up from SF. Uh, Lakeville used to be a settlement, and you would get off the ferry there and hop on the train or the stagecoach and carry it up to Santa Rosa, Petaluma, or Napa. Um, So it's actually a pretty old wine-growing region. There are a couple vineyards there going, oh, well, they're not there anymore, but they had a couple planted uh, by James Fair uh, way back in the 1880s. Um, So it's right there. It's probably three miles north of 37. It's almost the closest vineyard to the bay. north of 37. Yeah, it's really far south. That's really far south. It's up on the hill, so the soil type is really nice, Um, but it also benefits from all that wind that comes barreling through the Petaluma Gap which comes inland and then hits Snow Mountain and gets turned Brandy south Portland. and comes out through that Petaluma River Valley. It's beautiful. I'll it's tell you amazing. Yeah. yeah, it feels like home, actually. A lot of cows out there, very pastoral, <laughs> wide open Rolling skies. The, yeah. only, the only problem is that I tend to sit there. Right. Yeah. Back we all know what that looks like just yeah. too well I mean, because we've God, sat there on 37 like, no, facing no. east in traffic for hours. You take Lakeville Road up to Stage Gulch Road, mm-hmm. and then you sit on Stage Gulch now. Yeah, I mean, no it's gotten it. really bad. So. Yep. So uh, on that note uh, about, you know, Morgan offering you and Luke some wine, um, you guys made each made wine or you and Luke made it together that first No, year? so we each made wine, actually, so and made, Luke will have, yeah, we've each made our own wines from Griffin's. So in the Bedrock Cellar each year since 15, we've had three different wines from Griffin's Lair. So, you know, shout out to Morgan for, you know, being progressive enough to let you guys make some wine. Oh, it's amazing. Um, you know, I mean, what a great opportunity that yep. a lot of winemakers don't um, don't think about. You know, they, they look at it as a competition yeah, as exactly. opposed to educational. And and so then when the three of you, so you all three made wine from, from the vineyard, and how dramatically different were they all? It's really interesting. And each one, they're different, and they're all very much to our personalities, which is the strangest thing. So Morgan's is always... Between yeah, 60 and 100% percent old cluster, depending on the vintage, he'll move it around. And usually 10 to 18% Viognier, depending on the vintage and the cropping. Uh, I've always done half to two-thirds whole cluster, but with a cap submerger, uh, early on fermentation, and leave the cap submerged for like five days. And Luke has always done 100% whole cluster, and he likes to leave it on a little bit longer. Um, and actually, he'll have a wine brand coming out in the next probably year or less with Is Griffin's it Lair. It's all really large good. format bottlings. <laughs> no. uh, all Jerry yeah, bottles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not a bad That'd idea. So good. I, I know. like that. Yeah. Shout out to Luke. Yep. Jerobam Neo. There you go. A Petalumen, actually. Yeah. No, that's very true. What's Grobo his last there. name? Luke Neo. He's a cellar master at Boletto. 
But I'm sorry, it better act you first. So, a fun fact <laughs> about Cody and Luke is that Cody's first harvest at Bolitto Vineyards, Luke Neo was the other um, the other intern that year. So, and then he worked with us at Invino for a little bit in between harvests and he went to. He was good for moving, moving boxes. He was yeah, great. He still yeah. is, man. <laughs> Shout out to Luke for being <laughs> Luke. I need you to move. Not that you're and not. And he great worked in New that. Zealand the same year we did yeah. too. Actually, we live not far apart in New Zealand. He's what the, part of New Zealand were you guys in? Uh, we worked in Hawks Bay. I was at Craggy Range, and he was at Trinity Hill. So we lived only a couple miles apart. He would come over and have drinks by the fire at night. Drink your booze. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, get off work, <laughs> dry your feet. Like a true and that was yep. So that was harvest. <laughs> <laughs> and that was harvest of 2013, right before both of them started at Bedrock in the fall of 2013. And so then, so Cody worked at Boleto in t- 2011, and then Patson Hall at, in 2012, and that's where he met Morgan. Yep. Um, and then we went to New Zealand, and then came back. Yep. And so how, what was the first vintage of wine that you actually made? And was it the Riesling, or was it the Syrah? So this is actually, backtracking even further, in 2014 was the first vintage we made wine for ourselves, for M&I. And that was, again, thanks to Morgan and Chris, because they do everything for us. Um, in 2014, they felt like Luke and I should each make a wine, and they sprung it on us. Actually, I was driving the forklift, and Morgan and Chris came up and said, like, hey, we've got, I think there were five different vineyards, and as I understood it, they were trying to figure out which one to put to our best for manner. And we worked through it for a couple minutes. I was like, all right, so I think probably the Eagle Point Ranch Syrah, in this case, should go to that fermenter. Like, it's the most distinctive thing. We'll have the least, you know, idea what it tastes like. <laughs> and they got a big grin on their face. And they're like, all right, great. It's yours. Like, whatever you want to do with it, you got a ton. <laughs> nice. And I was like, sorry, what? I thought we were, that's not what I thought was happening. Uh, but yeah, they gave me a ton of Eagle Point Ranch Syrah and Luke a ton of Bedrock Petit Syrah. And the idea was, grapes are free. Do whatever you want. You can sell it if you want, bottle it if you want, distill it. Whatever you want to do, it's yours. And it was really cool, and it's one of the smartest things I've seen in the wine industry because it's really easy as an intern to sit there and think like, oh, like my winemaker has no guts. Like if it was me, I'd do things totally differently. I'd ride the line. We'd push the envelope. (laughs) And then you realize how much you're paying for grapes. And beyond that, the fact that you have some responsibility to the grower to make that wine and to the consumer who may have a four-year vertical of that wine and wants to see what the next one tastes like. God, you have a huge responsibility. That really sunk in real fast once you've got wine in tank. I've heard plenty of wine people who were not the winemaker talk about, boy, they really could push it a little more. Boy, they really could do this, (laughs) et cetera, et cetera. Uh, on the other hand, you know, I'm, I'm uh, a big fan of what you're doing. I Thank mean, you. the, the Syrah is beautiful. Monday, you know? Monday morning winemakers, mm-hmm. armchair winemakers. And, yeah. and why not? I mean, somebody can, you know, talk about everything else. So why well, not you know, winemaking? If, if you can have that conversation about a wine, it's not a bad thing in per se. To you know, say well, well, you know, wonder you know if I've they hung it. it longer or if they you know yeah, what if they didn't did use holes clusters did use holes you know whatever that conversation is. I mean that's that is the you know one of the cool things is we can you know make these decisions and you make a ton of decisions it's every day that are going to affect the way it tastes at the end of it. Mm-hmm. You and I have had conversations over bottles of wine that neither of us particularly liked. And yeah. and we, we, you know, I mean, we talk about it. Fortunately, like, they're not the wines in front of us today. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> but well, I mean, decisions in winemaking are are somewhat of a roadmap in that, you know, there's there's a way to get it to bottling um, eventually, and you, the decisions that you make during the winemaking process start to shape what the trip's like, so to speak. And none of them a are long, strange trip. Yes, mm-hmm. a long, strange trip. None of them are necessarily wrong decisions. 
But I think when you are done with the trip, you kind of look back and go, what would you have done differently? Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's the great thing about this is it's all learning experience. And I'm well, sure you made decisions the second year you make this wine that are totally <laughs> yeah. different. Well, you right? sulfur, in fact. Yeah, that was the big <laughs> difference. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to be natural wine makers yeah. anymore. Yeah, well, yep. yeah, well, we talk about that. So in, the, in that first vintage, what was, the, what was the decision-making process to not use sulfur? That one, I was really, I knew I could do it really small and by myself and really carefully. Um, and I thought that I had a chance at getting a microbially clean wine without sulfur. <laughs> and it actually worked, uh, which I wouldn't do it again because I think your odds are low. But uh, it, the weird thing about it was it came in at a really high pH. It picked out at 3.96. The Eagle, the Eagle Point in 2014. Yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> with 2,500 potassium, and we did 100% whole cluster without a TA add. So explain to people who don't know what that means, what that yeah, means. Yeah, that's the tricky thing. So yeah. it basically, it's really, really low acid, both in terms of titratable, which is the way the wine feels in the palate, and pH, which is harder on a sensory basis. But that acid shifts the way that the wine is perceived. All the sensory characteristics, the color, the nose, the mouth, it changes as the pH goes up. And once you're past four, it changes rapidly. So the wine actually finished at 4.4, yeah, wow. which was really interesting. Clean. I had it in a 600 liter for 16 months, I want to say. So big barrel, like two and a half times as large as a usual barrel. And the staves are over twice as thick. And again, you're just using equipment that Bedrock has. Yep. You're not having to pay for that and It barrel. wasn't my barrel. It was Morgan's barrel. <laughs> <laughs> fucking best. I know. Uh-huh. It was amazing. <laughs> We can't, we like cannot ever emphasize enough the amount yeah. that, that Morgan and Chris have done for us at Bedrock. Awesome. Like yeah. the way that they, you know, realized that they could like invest in Cody, like the value of him learning winemaking on a more personal level and then mm-hmm. just fostering our brand. They gave us an unbelievable shout out in a Bedrock release email, which got us a bunch of mailing list signups um, and then have been our mentors. Um, on the sales end and on the winemaking end, anytime we have a question, anytime we but but remember they're getting a lot out of yeah. this also <laughs> no because for sure I, I mean no I mean seriously you you it's it's the relationship that you build and it's the trust that you build and you are an employee that they you know love having around obviously and I'm sure you feel the same way about them yeah for sure you know no, it's, I, I think it's so progressive in our industry to think that way as opposed to there are winemakers that you know their boss would never let them make wine especially inside the same facility I and thought everybody with, could have a passion no, project no that's no, that's exactly you know I was yeah, having this conversation you know. with a person that were essentially training to take over Jeff Baker's job uh, and you know, I, I said, I, I want you to think, find something that you want to make. He's, he's born in Chile. He grew up in Madrid. So maybe we'll do something with Malbec and something with Tempranillo, some, you know, something that he wants to do so that when you're coming to work every day and you're making somebody else's wine and you have to do some stupid project, that there's still something there that is, is driving you and you're passionate about, you know, and not to say, that you don't go to work every day passionate about making the bedrock wines, and the same would go for for Alejandro and the Stone Age wines. But um, you know, there there is those. You have to have those things where you get to flex your creative muscle a little. Well, bit. Well, and there are a lot of friends out there. For and you know, for instance, with Joel Peterson, Morgan's yeah. father, yeah. let Peter Mathis do his own right. passion project, and now he's doing it on his own. 
and Mathis has become, you know, they've got pretty good, uh, damn good wines, actually. Um, and uh, also, I want to want to make sure that uh, I let you guys know because a shout out to Jake Bilbro at Lamerck Lanes because. Evidently, I mean, I just mentioned Morgan's name in an interview, and it turns out they knew each other from like being five years old, yeah, and yeah. were best friends and have swapped uh, wine making stories and and talents forever I, and, and ever. I totally yeah. flaked on a really great invitation to a party up there a couple months ago because I was feeling shitty and sick as a dog, and I. Still regretting it. Well, let's, I've never let, met let's head up. I really I, I, want to. I've got about five okay. people I really need to go see in that area. Okay. You know, so. I mean, we'll, we'll get a VW bus to drive us around for the day. Yeah, <laughs> there, there you go. go. Why not? Yeah, Jake's <laughs> amazing. And that vineyard? I, I know a guy. Is, West Wine Tour. Can, shout out. Can we. Uh, that was who? West Wine Tours. West Wine West Tours. West Wine Tours. And, I actually got. Uh, and they've got the two good looking VW they have Four van. of them now. Four? And they got Love in the New York Times the other day. Oh, nice. Uh, and they're just adding. Oh, so they you'll do, never get it. Was that Kathy Huhe or yeah, totally. Eric Asimov? Who, who uh, was no, it was, it was. Actually, it was an article about. Um, the experience market, the things that Airbnb is doing, okay. and I guess Marriott has a big program, um, and huh. so a lot of the West Wine tours get booked through Airbnb, and so they have they have a Napa tour, they have a Sonoma tour, and they're just adding a, a Russian River tour. Oh, cool! Uh, and they, you know, you drive around, you have to be into it because you're spent. You're you're in a, a vintage VW bus. It's like from between sixty eight and seventy eight. These buses. There's no air no, conditioning. No cup holders. No, yeah. I think yeah. they've added. They've added cup holders. No, they know their market. Fifty seven uh, miles actually a an table. hour. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, congratulations. You know, I mean, it it just really everything works out, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, and I think if you give people space to grow in particular sometimes they discover new strengths and things they're good at and things they enjoy they didn't realize they did absolutely and that's really powerful and all of a sudden mm. everybody gets to do what they enjoy and what they're good at and you have, grow the team that way lessons that you're learning yeah. in making it thank you this Sorry, is why I'm... we need to start video casting these podcasts because Brian's reaction to this one yeah. was indescribable. Yeah, there was sorry, no I words. Just that throw. That's really. I good. think though, there's that little emoji where the top of your head blows off. You yeah. know what I'm talking yeah. about? I think that's what Brian just had but, right, right there. I mean, going back to my earlier comment about the Riesling, I mean that is the Riesling is exactly fantastic. It. Also, like yeah. you smell it and you start to salivate. You yeah. know, and you taste it and you keep salivating. And, yeah. and that's a wonderful thing on that wine. I mean, yeah. the acid is so beautiful on it and. Now, and, and let's talk a little bit about, we're going backwards here, but the Cole Ranch is yep. a really interesting ranch. Um, this is the Riesling. When, right. Yeah, the Riesling. Yeah, when, when I worked at Benziger, we got a little bit of fruit from the Cole Ranch. Oh, really? Wow. Um, I think one or two years, yep. uh, many, many years ago. Um, but it is its own appellation. Yep. Correct? Yeah. You, it's you want to talk about that a little bit? It's the smallest avia in the country. It's one of those weird things. I've never heard learn. of that. Yeah. Funny, right? Uh, it's a single vineyard AVA. It's up on Highway 253, which runs between Boonville and Ukiah. Ooh, that's a road. Yeah, it's yeah. a great. Yeah. And it's they actually just repaved it. Oh, nice road now. That's a nice road. Same views. I'd like somebody road. to drive yeah, me to the top I of it so I can ride my bike down. Yeah, it was great. Road trip. Road trip. John, <laughs> drop me off at the top. I'm gonna ride my bike down. But yeah. I'm not <laughs> making yeah. it up. <laughs> and so, how many acres is it? It's only I think 50 acres planted. The AVA is probably three or four hundred. It's a right. single little narrow mountain valley that runs east to west. It's up at like 1,500 feet. It's closer to Ukiah, actually, but it feels a little bit more like Boonville. Right. Um, and in particular, the shoulder seasons are really cold and the nights are really cold because as the cold air drains out of those mountains, it gets cold fast. Yeah. 
So when we picked that in 2016 and 17 again, it was the second or third week in October, and we picked literally frozen grapes off the vine. Whoa. And what else did they cold. grow up there? <laughs> but a great place for Riesling. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, old vines planted in 73 on St. George. It looks like Campani Portis, actually. So it's head-trained with canes run out, dry-farmed, actually kind of heavier clay soils. It works really well because it pushes back bud rake. And on top of that, the dry-farming the vines are healthy the whole way through. Uh, but oddly enough, they also have cab up there. They've got these cab vines that are massive, 73 planting to St. George, Merlot. Head pruned or trellised? Uh, head with canes again. Looks like kind of like Jews yeah. Montecito Vineyard. No, there's there's uh, a few rows left at Cayman of the plantings for, that my dad did in, in 83. Really? That were, wow. um, you know, it was th- there was the whole like VSP vertical shoot positioning trellises weren't as much of a thing. You'd, it was head trained with canes, yep. Cabernet, yep. and they're like these big, massive vines. Um, the few and left that be- didn't get pulled yeah. out after the fire in '96. Yeah, yeah they're cool. Uh, yep. You mentioning uh, the smallest AVA. Yep. We were talking to um, Jake about this on Tuesday. This is on uh, John's cross pollinating his I shows am. right now. <laughs> well, I'm, uh, I go I, listen to KS, can, yeah, KSBY you archives. Give, you ever give the uh, winemakers a shout out? On I, KSBY? I I do plenty of. <laughs> Okay, well, I guess we got. better start listening. Are you <laughs> kidding me? You know? So, uh, but we were talking about how many AVAs, and Dave Cook came up with seventeen in no, Sonoma no, County. It's yes. eighteen AVAs, American Viticulture Areas, and four hundred and twenty-five wineries. Now, many, uh, exactly four hundred twenty-five actually seems low, and and sixty thousand. When you add in all the little like of vineyard, yeah. and you, and you say the smallest one is fifty acres planted, yeah, planted. Yep. Okay, how cool. So, no, and cool what's place. the biggest one? Sorry, can't can't oh, tell you at, okay. at this point. Just says smallest. Yeah, but this well, is this know. is in Mendocino County. Okay, well, yep. sorry about that. That's all right. We're talking Sonoma. Sonoma. Sonoma That's County. it. I didn't realize there was 18 in Sonoma From County. the Pacific already. Coast to the Mycamus Mountains. Beautiful. That was the, the uh, Iowa accent came out there. <laughs> yeah, the Mountains. Yeah, yeah 18, 18 AVAs and 45 varietals in growing Sonoma in County. Sonoma County, which I get to like 25, and then I start really struggling. <laughs> Like to name them <laughs> I, or to want to drink them. It's a good little mental, <laughs> exerci- mental exercise is just start naming varietals you think that are grown in Sonoma County. Once you get, most people, once they get about 10, they're done. It'd be a really uh, but great yeah. and terrible podcast if we just uh, tried to name every grape variety we could think of. Yeah. Let's make that the next podcast. All right, next episode, we <laughs> Sam, Brian, and <laughs> Bart just try and name varietals. We might, we might actually, we're going to need some of the people who are smarter than us who work at Bedrock to help <laughs> on that one. <laughs> Can you talk about something that you that you kind of glossed over really quickly, but I but I think people out there that that don't aren't necessarily familiar with the winemaking techniques might find it a little bit interesting. You talked about the submerging the cap. Oh yeah, yeah. Because Tell me, tell me why you did that and what you think that adds to the wine. I love it. Um, and, and kind of explain what that means for yeah, some people yeah, who don't sure. know what that means. You see it actually quite a bit in the Northern Rhone, uh, in Cote Rati in particular. Um, and it's a way of sort of increasing extraction, but on the early side. So it's kind of a pseudo for cold soak without the microbial yeah, concerns of cold soak. Um, so you literally... Because fermentation has started? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Or at least you don't keep it cold for the sake of increased extraction. Ridge uh, when used it's to do aqueous. quite a bit of that, and they still do. Actually, yeah. interestingly enough, yeah, yeah. Um, they used to and still do in the Northern Realm with boards, which I didn't love the idea of doing with plywood. So actually, Duncan again and our not Robert shared with me because your microbial yeah. <laughs> concerns. Okay, didn't love the and especially with all the stuff they treat the plywood with, yeah. it just it didn't seem right. 
Um, but so I'm sorry, I should have said, talk to us like you're talking to a three-year-old. Yeah. So this is when the grapes are in tank. Yep. And you've got the you've got the juice on the bottom, and you've got the skins, and the then the you said you did a little bit of whole cluster, so you've got yep. the grapes sitting on the top. So yep. what it means is those grapes you're sort of pushing them under the the you're submerging them yep. completely yep. in in the liquid and holding them there instead of, instead of just punching them down and letting them you know slowly exactly yeah so it's the opposite of a floating cap which is I think for most people the traditional standard way you do a fermentation right. Um, so yeah, we have a stainless steel plate that we tuck into our Macro 48 and strap it down. And for as long as we leave that plate there, the grapes don't come above the surface of the liquid. The crazy thing is on Griffins in particular, we do it for all our vineyards, Griffins, Shake Ridge, and Evangela now, all the reds that is, with Cluster. Is um, this for Bedrock or for For our Desire stuff lines, for Desire right? Lines. Uh, I haven't talked Morgan into it yet, but I'm working on it. All right. <laughs> so you have an Evangelo too coming. Yeah, Evangelo mm-hmm. Carignan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the extraction early You're on. like that too, Brian. It's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's, I, think that, I think, sorry, I'm totally interrupted, but I think down in, <laughs> down in Paso when... Um, um, Morgan and oh, did they bust um, out some of the Angelo? Um, did their lecture? We, we had some of that wine, and it, it was I think it was it. my favorite from that uh, particular seminar. It's yep. uh, without question the best vineyard in the world next to a PG&E power plant. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we need to do a field trip there sometime. Yeah, it was good. Okay, so it's I'm sorry. So, so, so what you're adding is, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming color. Yep. Yeah. Uh, a little bit more uh, oomph, oomph to the wine. You're getting a little. Um, um, yeah, and the crazy thing is, you start to see the actual personality of the wine as it will be finished in the juice because you get just massive extraction not in terms of harsh tannin in the fermentation but like the juice will smell like black tea before it even starts to ferment which Hmm. i've never seen before Uh, it's also great and part of the reason that our not roberts has used it is you eliminate all that aerobic space in the fermenter um, which is otherwise maybe a concern especially if you're trying to run your sulfurs a little bit lower if you have lots of that aerobic space, there are some microbes that don't do nice things to the wine that flourish in that kind of environment. Yeah. So it's a really nice way of just sinking everything down, using a little bit of sulfur or none if you feel like it, uh, and keeping everything purely anaerobic until excuse me, it starts to warm up and, and ferment. And are you just doing that with red wine, or have you thought about doing that? Um... <laughs> we haven't tried it with white yet. For Bedrock, we did Carbonic Sauvignon Blanc two years ago, uh-huh. which was great as juice and not White is great in wine. <laughs> <laughs> right. But no, for us, it's just reds for the submerged cap. And you like that, so you think that's going to be sort it. of a style of yours going forward? I think so, yeah. Nice. We've used it so far the whole way through. It, 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 I think it shows in this wine. It's beautiful. So what are you getting from that that you wouldn't get other than that microbial air gap space yep. from like just doing really frequent punch downs? Yep, that's a really good point. Um, I think if you didn't have stems, you'd have about the same thing. Since we use a lot of stems, we try to stay out of it. All right. And when I do punch downs, I like that though. Um, Okay, treading. Yeah, exactly. To try and minimize. Anytime you break open a stem, most of the potassium in vines is held in the skins and the stems primarily. And potassium going back to the pH. Anytime you leach out extra potassium into solution, you raise your pH. Right. Uh, And California is hard to get. Syrah at a pH like what you'd see in the old world. I mean, Jamais picks finished at like three six when we run them. Oh, I mean, we we can't find that anywhere Not um, unless you're picking it right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's half green. Um, but I've also really <laughs> liked the extraction on the cap submerges since I like to drain at dryness, if not a little bit before, to get away from some of that harsher extraction with stem not being willing to stay in fermenter long enough to get it to bind and drop out. I like that we sort of front load the extraction and start to get some of that finer stuff to stick in solution and then pull off the fermenter, the juice, 
before it goes really dry and starts to get mm. really hard. And Griffin's is a really tannic vineyard too. Well, I mean, you're it's so close to the bay. Yep. You, know, you got to be what if it's three miles north of thirty seven. You're five miles five from the miles from, from the edge bay. of the bay. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And oddly enough, the Syrah Griffins only grows on the north side of the hill because they planted it that way. It gets blasted with wind, and they're worried the Pinot wouldn't like wind. it. Yeah, but the Syrah loves it. Huh. Uh, but yeah, are they, are they little vines because of it? Or are they like trying to do any vine, sort of? They actually look okay. They've historically done no-till and pretty limited water, so the vines yellow out as they start to ripen. Right. Uh, but the berries are tiny. It looks like Cabernet. Um, yeah. Still oval, but tiny little berries, thick skins, and just insane juice. Yeah, it's a yeah the, the, the the finish on this Syrah is, is outstanding, and the the mouthfeel. I think you're probably pleased with it. Yeah. Is is, is really nice. Yep. Yeah, thank it's you. A so great job. Yeah, it's a good thing. So how does how does anyone who's listening order your wine, Emily? Uh, <laughs> Emily's job. Great question. Thank so, you. Close it, Emily. Uh, I can't believe we waited this long for that. Always be closing. That's right. ABC. Um, She's got it. She's got it. I, I went to the sales school. I went to the sales school of Chris Cottrell, so it won't <laughs> yeah. surprise you to hear. Chris Cottrell is um, selling Serata Northern Roadners as we speak. Exactly. I used to Eskimos. Um, so we release our wines via allocation. So, um, our first one was back in April. We are currently discussing doing a release in September. So the way to order wine is to sign up for our mailing list and then we'll reach out uh, with the save the date when we have a release. I noticed that an allocation ended at a specific time on a specific date in April. I was like, that's it folks. We're done. How much of this wine are you actually, I mean, well, we had 45 cases of the Griffin's Lair, which will yep. be pretty consistent year over year. So that's a ton? Yeah. yeah exactly. Uh-huh. And then the Riesling, we made about twice that. You need to make um, like five times that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Hotly debated topic. Yeah. Um, thank you. And um, and I don't know about how much Evangelo, and do you want to jump in with uh, that? What's coming out of Evangelo? Is it? Is it Car- Syrah? Carignan. Is it Movedi- It's Carignan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were lucky okay. enough to get the Carignan. The nice. ranch breaks down into three different field blends. So Bedrock makes a blend of all three, Zin, Moved, and Carignan. And mm-hmm. there's over 20 varieties planted there, but each one is roughly that. Uh, and we actually were lucky enough to get one of the blocks of Carignan at the back of the ranch, which is amazing. Uh, it's got a couple other odd things. Isabel thinks she found Garnacha Paluta there. It's like a hairy Grenache. Hairy Grenache. Yeah, we have like four. Oh, we need of some it. of that in my family. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a Katuri one. Yeah, seriously. Hairy and we Grenache. did 5% of Ved with it as well. Um, so it's a red wine. And did again 30% whole cluster on top, caps merger for five days. Uh, sort of thinking about Beaujolais Cru more as the model than anything else. Something that'll drink really nicely with that nice mm. mid palate you get from a little bit of carbonic. Sort of within the first couple of years, it's really vibrant. The Carignan out there is crazy. I mean, it finishes at 3.4 pH, hmm. picked at 23 and a half, 24. It's actually, oddly enough, one of our warmer sites and one of our higher acid sites. Well, and that's why it's about to get picked. We're, we're recording here October 2nd, uh, 2018, let August it be known. And August. I mean, August. Second, excuse me. <laughs> yes. Ooh. Oh, man, I should be uh, at the winery. Right? Should have no, been the winery think, two months ago. I think uh, that's funny that you said that because that well, would be a normal pick. Right, day. that's yeah, pretty normal. Exactly. <laughs> uh, They're but actually going out con- the next t- few days. Tomorrow or the next day? Saturday? Tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. tomorrow August 3rd. And that's for Zinfandel for sparkling, though. Zinfandel be, for Under the Wire. Yeah. Yeah. That one day we'll get to drink in seven years. Exactly. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> if you're on the list. If you're yeah, on exactly. the list. 
Yeah. And Morgan can, doesn't. Can you just not automatically put my name on these lists, Sam? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> sorry, John. When you're trying to get my name on this list, when you're doing man. it, just put mine right there. It says Sam Katori and, and John, John Myers. Myers. Yeah, so that'd be appreciated. As long as I can put your credit card number in, I'll put your name on all these <laughs> lists. Here it is, buddy. <laughs> right there. Uh, wallet on the table. Now that you mentioned that, I have it on my computer anyway. All right. <laughs> so now wait. So if if these are allocated wines, if I go on the website today and say, hey, I'm looking for six bottles of this, six bottles of that, am I able to do that? Or am I getting on a list and waiting until I'm getting contacted? So you'll sign up for a mailing list. Um, and then we have been reaching out to everybody once they sign up. Um, the Syrah is completely sold out. We have mm-hmm. a very small amount of Riesling mm-hmm. left. Um, but primarily the time to buy is during the allocations because the right. wines are just gone after that point. Right. But, I, think but there I have are a hard couple- time saying no to people. Sorry. So, right. I mean, if you ask, we'll see what we can do. Okay. But for the local Sonoma people, there are a couple places around town where you oh, can yeah, taste absolutely. the wines, right? Yes, yep. yes. Or purchase them? Yeah, so the wine right now, the Riesling is at Sonoma's Best. Right. Um, it's by the glass at Glen Ellen Star. Shout out to Todd Jolly. Yeah, Love Todd. Amazing. That was a great podcast, too. Um, at Sonoma's Best, yeah. And then, and yeah, by the glass at Glen Ellen Star. Harry the um, Star. Yeah, that's and, been so fun and to order. Bart, you've got your Glen Allen Star T-shirt yeah. on today. Oh, look at that! And see, this is the first time I've ever can. seen you, Sam, in a T-shirt other than a tie-dyed sixteen six hundred or Grateful Dead Dead I Company. Have other shirt. shirts, John. <laughs> I mean, and not like this one. This is my. This is my. Uh, All those shirts are in the laundry. John. Yeah, this is my. No, this is. I'm going out to dinner later. This is my formal wear. Your, your last clean, dirty shirt. <laughs> <Pretty much laughs> I think that's an old joke. <laughs> All right, so where and so we can go to Glen Ellen Star. That you said the Riesling by the glass, so you can go there. And the rest of to, that case that's available is sold out because we're going to buy the rest of it. Oh, perfect. <laughs> so if you go to Split Glen Ellen Star, you can start with a glass of the Riesling, and maybe with dinner have a glass of uh, Bart. What are you currently pouring there? At, uh, <laughs> we are yeah. uh, thirteen Zinfandel from Los Chamisol. Yeah, okay. yeah. that's what I had last. Yeah, last time yeah. we were there, that's it's exactly nice. what we did. Yep. Nice. It's a great account. What did you eat with that? Maybe you had the bro- the the. I could see the cauliflower with the bacon on it, yeah. and Ooh. this and the Riesling. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's no, really good with the corn as well. I would say uh, when we were there a couple oh, weeks ago and we had the Riesling and it went excellent with the, it was the first corn of the year mm. it was awesome yeah. mm-hmm. and then terry had the uh, brick chicken which is always you know yeah, they do a amazing. great job yeah. i love it's that place food. we yeah. uh, like i told them when i was pouring the wine um for a staff training that basically we did a we did a ton of our business planning over glen ellen star pizza like we would go out for dinner i think that's how cody bribed me into talking shop because we would go out to dinner and be like okay we need a name we need a name. It was a long, agonizing process coming up it's with the, the hardest, perfect name. I think that's so a hard. theme. Everybody said, yeah. coming up with a freaking name for your wine oh, name. It's the so worst part. hard. Yep. Totally the worst yeah. part. Unless um, you have a really cool address. Or, or a cool kid. Or a cool kid. <laughs> Who likes geckos. You know, that's it, man. You know, Dane Sellers. <laughs> perfect. Lizards. You know, and yeah, 16,600 wineries. I just uh, wanted to make sure Phil got home. It was yeah. really just... <laughs> So this motivated. is this is the time during the show where I always try and circle back and say, okay, no. how do people get a hold of you? How do they get a hold of your wines when they obviously, since you're on such tight allocations, they have to really pay attention here. So, guys, these are really phenomenal wines. So, help me out here. Yeah. So we've got go Desirelineswines.com. Just like it sounds. 
yep. DesireLinesWines.com. Mailing list sign up. Um, and we are on Instagram as well, at DesireLinesWines, um, though we are more active on our personal Instagrams. Right. Um, Follow their personal Instagrams for awesome dog photos. We have yeah. two golden retrievers <laughs> who are our babies, and they are so cute. Yeah. Um, so mine is at E.G. Rasmussen, and Cody's is at Cody B. Rasmussen. Yep. Yes. B for baller wines. Yep. <laughs> or boy. Or boy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I and I think it's it's important to note that you know when you talk about websites that you that are you know you have highly allocated wines you're you're thinking oh are these just super cool kids that you know are hoity toity that's not them at all these are nice people that make quality wines that just happen to make a tiny amount of it. And so that's the reason for the allocations. They're not mm-hmm. trying to be, um, no. um, it's not, it's not false allocated. It's not, cause there is no, I mean that exists where people make an allocation right, to right. make it look more exclusive and, and absolutely and mm-hmm. cut it off. And then they have to go f- sell all the wine somewhere else. But you know, yeah. you guys are so, such a sweet couple. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm now embarrassed <laughs> that we said you could square in Iowa at the very beginning because you know you can, now I you don't can, think they swore. No, <laughs> not not at, not at all. Yeah. You know, so I'll just have Ed cut that out. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was two harvests ago. I was outside trying to change out our bin tipper on the forklift, and I broke the hydraulic fitting, which is like a two-hour fix during the height of harvest. And I was cussing up a storm outside. I think he and like I had every intern interns. walk up, be like, "Are you okay?" The like, interns like, were terrified. I thought you broke a leg. Yeah. You were so mad. <laughs> uh, I I think, you probably wouldn't have sworn if you'd broken a leg. No. I yeah. swear a lot more. I swear a lot more than Cody does. Mm. I just. Um, <laughs> she seems like, proud of my it. My dad always taught me like just mm. save them up for like the right moment, and then it'll have like the right impact. And I've shocked some people. Yeah. Stressful. <laughs> Cody, what's the funniest thing you've ever happened ever happened to you or seen happen at, during harvest? Oh gosh. Oh man. Um, it's funny later. Yeah, funny later yeah, that yeah, you can reflect point. back upon. I'm trying to think what wacky stuff we've had. Our dogs are pretty weird in the winery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're good for a laugh every day. When I mean, we were doing the safety training on Monday for all the interns, and we had them all up on the catwalk, walking through pump over stuff like that. And Maya, our little 50-pound, nine-month-old golden retriever, walks up behind us. And our stairs are—it's hard to describe, but it's metal slats. It's not. Yeah, dogs don't do well on catwalks. No. Yeah. And she just wanted to be up there. Yeah, uh, they're goofy so what little did she dogs. Do? She, like, up yeah, 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 just came up for the safety training. Yeah, <laughs> was she yeah, safe? Adorable. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't sign off. <laughs> well, I think it's um, so, uh, I I think it's sort of important to note that the the last two guests that we've had on the podcast, their portfolio is um, prominent with the Syrah, mm. and I think both of you guys, Syrah holds a special place in your heart too, and and um, and I hope. I hope that trend continues, man, because Syrah is so fucking yeah, good we when it's too. made right, right? Yeah. And it's... Swear jar. Yeah. <laughs> Swear jar. You know, and I was actually thinking about this. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. You know, we um, we get kind of spoiled in Sonoma Valley, and we live in a little bit of a, a, a Rhone bubble, you know? because and, and, you know, we get to... Th- I think we thank Sandra and the girl in the fig for that, right? You know, there's, there's such a, a higher level of awareness... About Rhone wines, people whether or not you're like really a, a wine person or not in Sonoma because because, because of, of her fig, because yeah. of the fig that's yep. it um, yep. and, and Brian Casey and Brian you know Brian had a lot to do with it but um, you know the more taste these wines the Rhone varietals grown in in California made to be wines of place you know made you, you, 
you know, we're, we're on to something. There is a Syrah that you have to taste, and that's from B- that? Bibiana Gonzalez oh, cool. Rave. Yeah. That was... That was a great book. Whoa. And I that mean, was that from... Was a uh, big, what was the vineyard The Catalea. No, I know it was the Catalea, but that was the vineyard down the Bien... Uh, not Bien... The uh, oh, Santa Lucia. Lucia vineyard. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Tegan has one down there, too, that's fantastic yeah. for the Sandlands label. I, it's a good spot. That was... That was a great wine. I mean, I, yeah. incredible. These I are great just wines got too, my Cody. email yeah, for the beautiful. Bedrock, and I see Morgan got a little... Yeah. Oh, that wine's amazing. Is it? Yeah, so, it's one of the best so things So it's I've one not to miss? It's incredible. What a, what a family, yeah. the Peterson family. I mean, uh, you know, think about it. Joel put Zinn in every drugstore and grocery store <laughs> in America, <laughs> seriously. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I grew up on before I moved out here. Yeah. And... Uh, it's what I knew, yeah. and I continued to buy it while I was out here. Had uh, so many interviews with Joel, and the, it was so nice to meet Morgan Twain Peterson and and his buddy Chris. And you know, I mean, it was. And then, unfortunately, I was gone for a while. Yeah. So you know, but I mean, I kind of missed that show. I've gone back and I've listened to it so many times, and that's the cool thing about the podcast. Um, I, Bart, I think you've been posting some older shows or maybe it's been brian but you know you, you can go back and and look and and listen to any of our shows and so you can you can find i think i titled it something about preservation and innovation you know because uh morgan is so involved in in the preservation of mm-hmm. of old vineyards and um yet they're innovating with the under the wire and the bedrock whole line and mm-hmm. and desire lines being made under that same roof there you go yeah, yeah. and See, joel's wines too actually joel still makes wines oh the once in future he, he he wants in future yes so much that's fun every that's with. every yeah. father's dream is to make wine in his son's winery <laughs> well, isn't that right maybe part? that'll happen someday for, you know so well hey man thank you so much for coming on it was just absolutely wonderful having you guys here uh I just have one more question. How's it looking out there in the fields for all of your wines other than what you're picking tomorrow? We're hopeful this year. It started out pretty slow, which is great because Bedrock, I mean, we'll harvest like August 1st through the third week in October usually. Uh, so the spring was great and then it started to hold stuff back a little bit. We're definitely picking up speed. I think we're still 10 days back, mm-hmm. uh, but numbers look good uh, a little worried about the smoke but not for any reason so far we haven't seen any warning signs ptsd yeah exactly no it just it feels too familiar uh but so far it looks really good we're excited good and talk, you know i just want to get a shout out to some some people out there one of them uh, kieran robinson who was in for dinner a couple weeks ago um, with christia's wife and he is going to be opening up a tasting room in philly oh, no serious? fucking way yeah so oh, I thought that was interesting news uh, to drop. Got a really great wow. email from Nicole Rollet from Sean Blue today. And I love the way she now addresses me as all hail Sir Brian is the way that <laughs> wow. she opens. You, you are, you know, and I, it's funny because I sent her the link yesterday to the Bibiana Rave. Um, so we're trying to keep in touch with our French friends. <laughs> and... Um, also, I want to get a shout out to uh, Mark Irving from Wine Zula Tours. Anyone that's either coming to wine country that is interested in doing a tour, or if you live here, you've got friends that are coming out to visit, um, or if you want a staycation and one weekend you just want to do a tour of some off the beaten path uh, spots, winezulu.com, Z O O L O O, guided by Psalms. 
um, take you to some cool spots, uh, a lot of Moon Mountain stuff. Uh, head up that mountain to uh, Corbin Cameron, go up to uh, Cayman, get them to go up to... I know, this is what I want to uh, start doing. All right, we'll yeah. we talk about that. But anyway. we're going to have to... Um, get that Volkswagen van out of that parking spot at your uh, <laughs> We can move house. it. You can move it. You have to be a deadhead <laughs> and park there, but you can move it. Okay. Uh, do, I, do I have to show up in you, some... No, you have yes. to make a you reservation. Have be, you have to wear tie-dye. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> hey, look, I, I wore this shirt the other day and I parked there and I am a deadhead. And I thought well, you were a deadhead. What a square. <laughs> yeah, I know. This is why we need the video ready. You know, the other thing, <laughs> the other thing is, you know, I mean, um, I also listened to Jerry Garcia before the Grateful Dead. That's a great album. It's a great album. Yeah. You know, he's, it's all banjo and stuff. Yeah. So, uh, Jerry, we're in the days between. Jerry's birthday was yesterday. Oh, that's Death right. Day is the ninth. That's right. Uh, shout out to the group in my tasting room at Tasting House. Excuse me. As I uh, as I left to get here, I was late because in this great group, they one of the people had been there before and loved our thirteen Val Rossi, which isn't currently in our lineup. So, so I opened it up for them. Uh, and I hadn't tasted it in about a year since we stopped pouring the 13. Is that the, what you're pouring Grenache right there? Uh, so that's what I just poured Excellent. out. Excellent. And it's from the Rossi Ranch, which I know okay, you guys cool. are to work with this yeah. year from uh, from Bedrock. Um, it's 45% Mavedra, 35 Grenache, 20 Syrah, and I just in such a good place today. Delicious. Well, yeah. Bring that's it in amazing. and oh, give a shout Sam, out to those you've folks got such a good room. pouring style right there, reaching across the table. So, all right. Um, Bart, any closing? No, you All know right. I'm looking forward. Back to, in state, damn, yeah, it's good to state. have you back. Looking man. forward to um, my smallest harvest of my lifetime this year. Um, I don't really know what I'm going to do all harvest, um, but I'm going to come watch us know, work at our come watch respective work. wineries. And, <laughs> and you, you missed know. a spot with that hose there, <laughs> yeah. Sam. If I could write, I'd maybe write about harvest, but I can't write very well. So you I, could I talk about it. You have do. a podcast. Yeah, yeah, you or do. Just come hang out at the Bedrock Tasting Room. Right, <laughs> exactly. There's a no, walking chair out front and waiting for the you. The Bedrock Tasting Room is at the Hooker House. Absolutely, downtown we are Sonoma. Open. Um, and I, I'm there most days as well. So uh, open Thursdays through Mondays, 11 a.m. to 5. Make an appointment so you can get yourself a nice table. And yes, folks, it is true. Hooker House uh, did give the name to hookers. You know, urban legend. Anyway. <laughs> yes. So, so it's John. Seems. They're from Ohio. Remember? Come visit. The I know they're I mean, from Iowa. 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 You know they have Iowa. hookers in Iowa. I'm sorry. Shots fired. You know, Des Moines. Fired. Holy cow, Des Moines. Yeah, they got hookers. I, I can guarantee that. Come to the tasting room and we can discuss this hotly debated topic of the etymology of the term hooker. There you go. Well, now what do they say? Do they go with no, that official you to, line? You have to, you have to make an appointment. Come, okay. Come visit and we'll dive deep. All right, everybody. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Mike, drop. <laughs> hey, winemakers. Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey. As always, I'm John Myers. Thanks. We will see you guys next week. And Cody, thank you guys for coming on. Thanks, thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. Good wine.